Welcome. Uh, yes, Shira just told me to announce that we have something, all our talks on relatable Judaism. Um, we have a podcast, it's on Spotify and YouTube. Um, no, it's non Torah anytime. I'm not religious enough for Torah. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, but uh, it's on YouTube and many other places where you probably shouldn't be on anyway. It's a waste of time. But if you do go on it, listen to me. So, um, first of all, I want to thank my amazing wife, Shira, for all her work. Just one second. She is uh, truly incredible. At least that's what I think. And uh, yeah, okay. So uh, I do, I was meant to print, I like to print out what I speak about. Um, but for some reason, we have no paper. And the printer is not um, working for some reason. So we'll make it work. Spontaneous. So I am in the middle of teaching about, uh, about Pekei Avot. It's the second class that I'm talking about Pekei Avot. Some of the wisdom of life that we can learn from our fathers, from thousands of years ago, from the teachers of the Talmud, of the, the owners, the ones that ran the temple, the ones that wrote our Siddur, our prayer services, and all the great things that we have in our history. And some of the great teachings obviously all came from the Torah itself. But uh, of course, it's all part of the oral Torah that came with the Torah. So there's a lot of wisdom that we could take with for life from there. Uh, one of the things that you'll notice in Perkei Avot, in this book, is that it always says, Hu Omer. Whenever it says someone said something, it never says, he said. It would say, he was said. That person was, and then they said it. And our rabbis explain that that's what it means. First, in order for you to really teach something ethical in any way, it has to be part of you first. So, um, for example, I t I said, I've mentioned this in the past, but for example, my kids, my kids copy me whether I like it or not. They're gonna, they're just a reflection. I remember my teacher used to tell me, you're a reflection of your parents. He was from Scotland, bad accent. But he used to tell me, you're a reflection of your parents. And um, yes, me too, and all the other kids that were naughty and badly behaved used to say, you're a reflection of your parents. Although, whatever, we were kids, but whatever. So, um, that being said, my little boy, Avraham, would, um, you know, he got a whole set of tools, plastic tools, you know, fake tools. So, I go to my toolbox the next day, and guess what I see next to my tools? His plastic tools. Uh, there's, just yesterday, he came back home from school. And I was having a workout, so I was in a t-shirt, which is strange, because you probably only see me like this, but I do like to take my shirt off once in a while and feel free. So, uh, 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 right, exactly. So, um, so oh, she will get back. Okay, back to the wearing my white shirt. So, no, 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 nothing, you didn't miss anything. So anyway, so, uh, uh, outside, um, he saw me in my t-shirt. So what does he do? He came back from school. He takes off his jersey. He takes off his shirt. Right, jumper in English. Takes off his... And he puts on a t-shirt. And he's outside. And she, and she was like, hey, it's cold. What are you doing outside with a t-shirt? And he says, I want it. I want to do it. 
And um, at some point, Shira says to him, well, are you trying to be like daddy? And he's trying to give an excuse. So he says, no, it's just uh, something that I like. He's so human. You know, it's like what an adult will do. You know, like, I don't want to copy anyone. I'm my own person. He, he did that as a little kid. And it's, this was just yesterday. So um, it's amazing to see how a child copies his parent. But it's insane. When I'm in a good mood, my kids are in a good mood. When I'm not in a good mood, they're not in a good mood. And you feel the vibes. It's a reflection of the parents. So when it comes to chinuch, education in Judaism, the word chinuch also means to dedicate. You've got to dedicate yourself first. And by the way, that's why in Judaism we also don't proselytize. We don't, as Jews, go around running around with Talmud saying, hey, uh, you know, I'm proselytizing right now, but whatever. right? But we don't really, we don't run around I was, when I was at the university, that you, someone once came up to me and said to me, hey, you know, I'm Christian, but I don't see you reaching out to outside of your faith. Why, why is that? Why don't you run around asking people to find the Lord? So um, I said to him that that's not how it works by us. We have to be, like it says in Yeshaya, Isaiah and all Lagoyim, a light to the nations. How do you be a light? How do you be a light? If, you, if you're extinguished within yourself, but telling everyone else to be lit? Or you've got to be ash lit? Huh? You've got to be ash lit. You've got to be lit from inside. You can't give a lecture about something when it's not working for you. If you want, a, if you want advice on um, running a business, who do you go to first? All the people that failed and say, hey, how did you fail? Or the people that succeeded? Who would you go to first? Probably both. Both. You want to see how it failed and you want to see how it succeeded. But I'll tell you, it's true, it's true. But which one's more important? The successful one. Why? How you failed? There's a billion ways how you can fail. I need to know the one way it works. Right? I don't need to know the million ways that it doesn't work. It's like somebody who got divorced uh, three or four times and is on the radio talking about how to have a healthy marriage. And why? Because I have experience of what? Of failing? Right? Don't get me wrong. Oh, I can't believe the rabbi said this. That if someone gets divorced, if, I don't say you're failing, but I'm saying in terms of having advice in how a marriage works, if you've not worked at it so well. So you, you oh, how to get married after divorce four times. That's a good, that's a good lecture to give. But uh, to teach about how to succeed in marriage, you can't... It's like saying how to quit smoking when you just smoked yesterday, but you quit for one day. You know, I'm on a diet. I've only been on a diet for two days. It doesn't work. So in Jewish teaching, we learn this right from the beginning, from Abraham. When Abraham came along, he wanted to educate his children. He was, the, he was called Abraham HaIvri. Abraham the Ivri. Do you know what that means? Ivri means to be on the other side. Abraham was on the other side. Why? The whole world was idol worshippers. And they said that things made the world. And Abraham was the first guy to come along and said, one thing made the world. It's not a thing like me and you. It's, a cre it's the creator of the universe. It's an infinite being. Sounds cool, right? So that's what Abraham did. He went to the other side. He fought his parents. He fought his family. He fought against everybody. He said, there's one God. Everything has a reason. Everything was created for a reason. So Abraham was called 
Avraham Ha'ivri. Abraham on the other side. By the way, he was the first person to show tremendous stubbornness. What does it mean to... We think that there's traits which are good and there's traits which are bad. To be stubborn, that's bad. Being stubborn is very good. Am Kesheh Olef. The Jewish people are called a stubborn nation. How do you think we're going to survive all these years? Being different. Standing up for our values in an environment that's completely different to our values. How do we survive? The answer is the stubbornness in the nation of the people. Once we understand the truth, we're stubborn with the truth. Not that we're stubborn with falsehood. We're stubborn for truth. Abram was the first one to be stubborn from a young age. He said, no way, everything has a reason. Everything has a purpose. And he fought. He was on the other side. And he wanted to educate his children. He had two kids. Does anyone remember the names? Huh? What were the names? No one wants to say. You might know, but you don't want to say because you might embarrass yourself. It's fine. Who are you embarrassed of? Me? So Yitzhak and Yaakov was his, Yaakov was his grandson. Yitzhak was one of his sons. I was looking for you. Yitzhak was one of his sons, right? Abraham, Yitzhak. Yitzhak was one of his sons. Yaakov was already his grandson. Okay, so it was Isaac. That's one. Who else was the son of Abraham? Etan knows. Come on. He's laughing. Yishmael. Yishmael was, the fa- was also the brother of Isaac. Now, the first son that was born was Yishmael. It says that when they had these guests, Abram was the, a man of chesed. He was a man of kindness. And when they had guests coming, he was desperate to host them. And it was burning hot day. He was an old man. And he wanted to host his guests. So he went running and he, went, he, got, he got some meat, the best meat. He was a, he was a farmer and he owned uh, a lot of cattle and sheep. He was a very wealthy man, Abraham. So he took out the best meat, the best food, the best bread, the best everything. He organized them the most gorgeous meal. And then it says he gave it to his son to serve them. The last part, the best part, he said, you serve them. But who did it first? Abraham did it first. First, Abraham came along and he went and organized the food and everything. He ran, he said, come, come, come. Organized everything. Then he gave it to his child to do it because that's how you educate. That's what a great rabbi, Moshe Feinstein, says. You want to learn education? Look at how the Torah teaches me how to educate. It says, first, Abraham ran around doing kindness. And then the last minute, he said, son, come, join me. What's better? And there's a mess on the floor. And I say, son, clean it up. Well, you made a mess. Well, if he made a mess, I should tell my child to clear up, to educate them, to be, uh, look after themselves and responsible. I should educate them. But let's say there's a mess on the floor. What's, what's easier to educate your child? Son, pick up the mess whilst I'm sitting on my phone. Or I start picking up the mess and say, come join me. And let's take this away and put it away. What's better? When you make things a procedure, by the way, that's also how you, I know that no one's got kids here, you're asking why the because it applies to us as well, the way we talk to people. This applies to people also. You've got to, you've got to first do, and then it will follow suit. Another example is, let's say, uh, an example, my kid's opening and closing the door, slamming it shut, and I'm here busy talking, and my kid's slamming shut the door. So what am I going to do? Hey, stop it, right? Tell my kid what to do. That's one way. Stop right now. 
Or I go to the door and I open it and close it slowly and say, look, this is how we close the door. You want to know how I close the door? How mom and dad closes the door? We don't do it like this, right? We do it slowly, look, you see? So once I show them the procedure of how I do it, it's going to be a lot easier for my child to follow it. Make sense? That's called chinuch. Chinuch, educating, and it's in work too. If you want to be a good boss, you don't sit on your phone and you tell all your workers that are, are employed under you to go and do their work whilst you're just chilling you know, with your feet up. Even if you own a beautiful home, multi-million dollar home, and you have people working for you. If they're working, don't let them see you chilling on the side, just munching whilst you're bossing them around. You go there, pick up here, go there. They'll hate you eventually. The way to, to be a mensch is to first you be. And then you tell them to do. Don't be a different place than the people that you're telling what to do. It doesn't work. It's one of the reasons why I think pe- many people are saying education is very hard today. is because the parent wants something that they're not even with themselves. And finally, the parent is going through the struggle himself. And he wants his, the expectations on his child. Well, the parent wants, but the parent's not there. Does this make sense? So that's what it says in Pekeavot. Hu Every time it says that someone said something, it doesn't just say they said. It says hu he was, and then omer, and then said. Good. Okay. Now I want to read to you uh, the second Mishnah, the second uh, verse, basically in Pekeavot, which we did the first one last week. I'm sorry, I don't have a paper, so I have to read off a phone. I wouldn't do this otherwise. But let me teach you something very powerful again here that we could take with us. Okay, this is the second Mishnah in Pekavot. We're going to try and cover the whole of Pekavot in the time that we're here, but also learn things, right, in terms of how it relates to us. Okay, so Shimon HaTzadik, he was a great, righteous man. You know the story of Sheikh Al-Jarrah in Israel that they're all talking about? That's where Shimon HaTzadik is buried, the great Shimon the righteous. He was a, one of the last Kohanim, priests of the Jewish people, of the holy priests. Uh, he was a Kohen Agadol. He was a pre- Anyone here who's a Kohen? Any Kohanim here in the house? Oh, nice. Shimon HaTzadik, he was the great Kohen, one of the great priests. He would go into the Holy of Holies every year on Yom Kippur. So he said like this, he was one of the last people of the great assembly that wrote the... Sidur and all the things that we have today. Very holy man. He said like this. On three things the world stands. What are they? Anyone know? The world stands on three things. First is Torah. We'll explain what that means. Second is Avodah. Torah is the education of Torah. Avodah means literally the sacrifices that we would bring. But in translation of today, it means prayer. And the third is, Gmilut chasadim. Someone could translate that for me? Gmilut chasadim, good deeds. Giving kindness. Kindness, acts of kindness. Loving kindness. Three things which makes the world stand. One is Torah, Avodah, which is prayer. And Gmilut chasadim, kindness. Let's think about that for a second. And here goes... Something that I wanted to tell you that relates to you and everyone that's here as well. I was thinking about this. We spoke about this a while in our dating series. 
But here's a question. If you're in the marathon running and you're fast, you're quick, and there's another Jewish girl in the marathon running as well, does that mean that you're compatible for each other just because you're doing similar things? Yes. yes. <laughs> really? No. Similarity does not mean compatibility. I'm sorry to tell you. Just because we're both living a similar lifestyle does not yet mean we're compatible. It might be it's easier. We have things in common. We have things in common. might be that when we have a conversation, the conversation will flow better. But that does not yet mean that we're compatible for each other. It could be that she's thinking of a different lifestyle than you completely. If you define yourself by the fact that you run a marathon and that's why you say another girl that does a marathon is for me, then you have no real true definition of who you are. Who are you? I'm a man that runs the marathon. That's it. Well, if that's all it is, then maybe you would be compatible, but that's not enough. Make sense? What about someone tells me I found, I found this amazing guy or amazing girl, but they don't know, they don't know a lot of science. I've had this before. So I'm talking, they don't know a lot of science. <laughs> they don't know a lot of scientific things. You know, I, I studied in school. I went, you know, they did the basics of physics and biology. There's a lot that they don't know. It's like almost like they aren't very smart. They're not intelligent. They're not intellectual. Do you think that's a, a good concern? Is that a concern? No. What do you mean? I don't feel that I don't enjoy my company with this person. They, uh, they, it's a real concern. Let me tell you something. Just be, knowledge. You guys are right. Knowledge isn't what should be an, a point of attraction. That's not a value. Knowledge is not a value. Hard working is a value. It could be that someone with a lot of knowledge means they're working hard. That's a good value to have and that could, you could be attracted to. Knowledge in itself is not a value. It just is something that they have. I like their car. I like their shoes. And I like what they know. Knowledge in itself is not enough. I was explaining to this person that just because they might know a bit less, it doesn't mean anything. It could still be that they're special. It could be that they're insightful. I'm not saying that that person should marry them. But here's the point. There's different types of wisdom. My phone is pretty smart. That's why they call it the smartphone. Uh, right? So that's, it's pretty smart. But is it wise? No. Does it know information quicker than I do? No. Yes. But is it, is it wise? No. What, does it mean? what do I mean when I, when I say the word wise? I'll tell you. In, in Hebrew, Torah is called Torah Chaim. It gives me Chochmat Chaim, wisdom of life. The, under, the ability to understand life. The, the ability to take things into the correct proportion. If that's how you say it, maybe I don't know. Right? But the, the ability to take things correctly, to understand things in the right way, to look the right outlook of things. You can have someone who's extremely knowledgeable. But when something falls on the floor, they blow up. But what does that tell me about the person? It tells me that they have anger issues, that's for sure. But what does that tell me about their knowledge? Well, 
The knowledge isn't being put into action. You can know things, but it doesn't mean you're insightful. That's a value. When somebody actually doesn't just know, but they can understand, they can react to certain situations in the right way. They, they show their emotions as well as their knowledge. They live with their knowledge too. Not just that they know something. Knowing information is, is no different than a phone. So it could be that that person that you're dating didn't go to science class. Maybe they didn't get the education that they needed because they didn't grow up with it. Or maybe they, had, they were hyper, so the school or the, class, the teacher was horrible. So they didn't get the knowledge in their brain. But that doesn't mean they're not insightful about life. You see, there's knowledge and then there's the wisdom of life. Chokhmat Chaim. So I'll tell you this. When it says that the world stands on three things and one of them is Torah, wisdom of Torah, the wisdom, the understanding of this world, do you think it means just knowledge? No. It doesn't mean just knowledge. It means the knowledge of the wisdom of life. That's what it means. That's what Torah is. According to Jewish teaching, it says in, in uh, Jeremiah, that if not for the Torah, the world wouldn't exist. What does that mean? Well, it was, the world was given before, but it's a projection of the world. According to Jewish teaching, the Vilna Gaon and many other, Rav Chaim Vilajin, many rabbis have said that if there wasn't the education of Torah for one minute in the world, we have to define what that means, but if there wasn't the understanding, the wisdom of life being taught into the world through the Torah, the world will cease to exist. And the Zohar explains, Kabbalah explains, that's the spiritual reason why in the world there's different time zones. One of the spiritual reasons why there's different time zones is that everyone could be studying at the same time. That when you're asleep in LA, in another country, in Israel, they're already awake and they're studying. So there's constant words of education, wisdom of life, understanding this world being brought into the world. And every time your speech is being said, you're connecting on a deeper level to something which is beyond. And that's almost like the, excuse me, it's like the electricity of the world. It's like almost. It's like you're plugging in the world to an electrical force. And one of them is Torah. That's how powerful it is in our eyes. It says that in Jewish teaching, how do we win our wars? We used to fight wars when the Jewish people came into Israel. There were many battles that they had to fight. The Greeks, we think of the Greeks as these strong very, you know, the Maccabees fighting the Greeks. The Greeks were strong and the Maccabees were super strong and they beat the, the few against the many. Guess what? They were malnourished. They were hungry. They had long beards. They didn't know how to fight with swords. And that's how they fought. And they won. The few against the many. It's not that they were strong with extra muscle. They were strong spiritually. When they would go to war, they had to be perfect, never done anything wrong. It says that for every person that would go to war, there was someone else studying Torah for them. And that's how they would win their battle. When somebody actually contemplates Judaism on its deeper level, they'll realize that the education, the Torah, the wisdom of the Torah is what literally is something that keeps the world going. It's fascinating. So the first thing is Torah. What's the second thing? It says prayer. Torah is between you and God. God. 
Prayer is between you and God. Torah is between you and yourself. And the last thing, kindness is between you and others. A perfect world wants you to have those three aspects constantly worked on. Between you and yourself, between you and God, and between you and others. An environment that works only on you and others, Rabbi Sachs talks about this in the Torah portion of Noah. Noah lived, right? Everyone know the story of Noah and the great flood? He lived in a time of two different generations. There were two terrible, terrible, evil cultures, environments that he lived in. Peoples, nations that he lived in. The first nation that he lived in were people that only cared about themselves. They were the ultimate, or what would people would call today, the capitalists. He lived in two, there was the, when there was the great flood. It says that they would, people couldn't live then. People were being sold in the marketplace. Body parts were being sold. You get that some, sometimes in today's day and age too. But think about it back then. Body parts were being sold in the marketplace. People couldn't live. Everyone was on their own. It says he couldn't sell things in the market because everyone would quickly grab and steal. Hamas, tremendous theft. It was an environment of destruction of each person on their own. It was the individualists where everyone was on their own. And then after the great flood happened, right? You know the biblical story of the great flood? So after the great flood happened, Noah lived in that. And then what did he live in again? There was the Tower of Babel. Remember the Tower of Babel? The great tower of Baba, what was that? That was the ultimate socialists. Where everyone said, let's get together and reject God. We'll build this massive mountain. We'll all speak the same language. We'll come together. And on the top of this mountain that we're going to build together, this tower that we're going to build, we'll add a little sword facing upwards. This is what it says in Tugum Yonatan, in one of the commentaries that they they aim to put a little sword on the top facing God saying we don't need you anymore we have each other the first time they said we're all on our own everyone to themselves that ended with disaster and the second time they said we're all together and we don't need God and that ended up with a disaster what's the ultimate person Noah was the in-between what's in between what's the right environment we have Today we have socialism versus capitalism. Which one's the right path? Huh? Everyone's fighting between the two. What is the right path? The answer is? Neither. Neither. Both. Who said it best? Hillel. Hillel says in Pikavot that we're going to learn later on. Listen to what he says. He says, If I am not for myself, who will be for me? What's that? Capitalism or socialism? Capitalism. <coughs> Capitalism. If I'm not for myself, who will be for me? I got to look after myself. Everyone on their own. And then he said, But if I'm only for myself, then what am I? What's the best environment? Where I mix both. How do I get to a point where I mix both? Because throughout history it failed. We tried one, then we went to the other. We, it's like this all the time. We move from this one to that one, that one. We should all be together. We should know. We each need to be individual. 
We keep moving around like this. What's the best path? Both. How do you have both? Because Noach went with God. You have the God in the picture as well. Ah, that's a whole picture. It's another whole. You know why? Because when I look at you now, and I say we need to be together, I'm not saying we need to be together just for my convenience. Because you're the creation of God. I respect you as much as you could respect me. Because we're all in this together, because we're all under this higher power. And what does the, the person that's on his own say? How can I steal from you? I need to take responsibility of myself. I can't rely on others. God put me in this world for a reason. He wants me to succeed. Noah was the one that was able, the glue factor between capitalism and socialism is God. And people forget that. When you put God in between the two, boom. I realize that everyone's the formation of God. I respect everyone and I keep that idea that every individual is, it, is part of this one big picture. We're all under this together. What's the problem with socialism? Greed. The people on top are taking all the money for themselves. How, how do you make $500 million? Excuse me. But I thought we we're all in this together. The doctor, the garbage truck, everyone's making the same money, but the people on top are making big money. Why? Because human greed. Yeah, but not in the world of God. In the world of God, the person on top knows who's on top of him. Right? You have a keeper, you remember. Who's on top of me? God. So I'm not the one on top. And everyone walks around like that. It's a perfect environment. So that's why in the times of Noah, he lived in two generations, it says. What two generations? He lived in many generations. He lived for many years. Two, two types of societies that we are still living with today and arguing about today. Nothing's changed. Right, but what's the right way in the middle? So that's why it says you need to have these three things that build the world. These three things are the pillars of the world. What are they? Torah, Avodah, and Gminut Chasadim. I have a question. What's the difference between kindness and charity? There's two words. We have Chesed, which is kindness. And then we have another word called Staka, charity. What's the difference? Huh? Money? Can you give charity and be kind? Yes. Yes, how? Can you give charity and be cruel? Yes. How? Give me an example. You're going to have to do with your ego and your intentions. Of course. The way you give it. Exactly. Give me an example. Oh, that's a... That's straight up evil. That's just not even... It's not even stuck up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but you get why it's not even stuck or it's not even kind Let, give me another example come on yeah a lot of people give to charity and then huh a lot of people give to charity so that they can have their name pasted on the top of a building whereas I would say an act of kindness maybe is something that you perform with the goodness of your own heart right kindness can be done without anyone knowing about it right staka charity could be done where you, you want your name on top. It's not the same level. Is it still charity? Yes. Of course. Is it, is it good doing it? Yes. Of course it's good. To, should we encourage it? Of course. But at the end of the day, there's different levels of charity. Maimonides actually brings nine different levels that a person can have when it comes to charity. What's the highest? Giving, giving someone... Someone who's not alive, like eating a 
That is a big mitzvah. That's chesed shalem, very nice. Did you hear what she said? Someone who's not alive, cleaning their grave. That's a chesed shalemet. It's actually a very special thing. It's called true kindness. Why is it true kindness? They can't give you anything in return. We learned that from Jacob. And very good. My friends, the difference between staka and chesed is very simple. Staka is with money and chesed is without money. And even when you do it with money, it could be done in a way of chesed. Someone knocks on your door and says, hey, can I have some change? Maybe give me something. Huh, leave me alone. Smash the door, you know, closed. Give him a dollar. Throw it. Here, take it. On the floor. So, or, it says in the Gemara, if somebody gives charity, you get six different blessings. But if you give it, and you're mefaisor, you bless the person that you give it to, you get 11 blessings. The Gemara says in Baba Metziah, I think. When you give somebody a money, a coin, you get six blessings. When you give them with love, and you tell them, hey, not only do I give this to you, I wish you only good. I wish that you succeed and you don't have to ask anyone. You should never be able to need to ask ever again. Here, take this money. I'm so sorry that you're going through this. Right? Someone who blesses the person that you're giving to, not only do you get the same mitzvah, you get more mitzvot. You get even bigger. There's different levels. Tzedakah is with money. Tzedek, you're giving charity with money. Chesed is a new level where you're not giving money. You can even smile to someone and that's a chesed. Give someone advice in work, that's chesed. Give someone the time of your day, that's chesed. Go visit someone who's sick, that's chesed. Go with someone who's old, chesed. You see, chesed has no limits. And it doesn't need to be just with someone who's got money. It could be someone without money. Why, why is this important? Because we think, you know, uh, someone's needy. So he's asking me for something. You have to understand that these things, these values, are, are what keeps the world standing. These are the pillars of the world. It gives you weight. Someone asks you for money, run. Because in Jewish teaching, that's the pillar of the world. For that, it was created. Why is kindness the pillar of the world? Well, we understand it brings people together. Why is it the, for that reason that the world was created? How do I know this? How do I know that kindness is the source of why the world was created? You want to know? It's fascinating. Does God need me and you? No, no not at all. Is God an inf- a person like me and you? So why did he create me? To watch. He does, does he, is he bored? <laughs> he needs a movie? Right? Because he's good. And to be good is to give good. According to Jewish teaching, an infinite being doesn't need anything that we do. He doesn't need us at all. And the only reason that he created us is, is because of chesed, because of kindness. Isn't that fascinating? So the reason of creation in the first place, olam chesed yibaneh. It says in Tehilim, in Psalms, that the world was created for the sake of kindness. I see someone's coming out. Right? The world was created for the sake of kindness. You get it? Olam chesed yibaneh. The world was created for kindness. Why? Because God doesn't need you. So if that's true, then what was the reason of the, the, the creation? Kindness. So what does that say about us? We have to be kind. We have to follow in that trend. Just like God created the world for that reason, we've got to keep that reason going. And that's why chesed is so important. So, when you're dating, to keep your attention, right? When you're dating, what should you be looking for? No. 
No, you missed last week's talk. That's all. So, right, what you should be looking for? Of course, you should look for attraction and everything else, but that the values match. Here's the three things. Are they insightful? Do they have chokhmat chayim? Do they have wisdom of life? Not just, oh, do they know stuff? Are they insightful? Or every conversation we're having is about uh, hinge or whatever, right? Are they insightful, number one? Number two, avodah. Now, what was the original way that we would pray? Does anyone know? We would bring sacrifices. Oh, how can they do that? Wait, do you eat meat? Someone once told me, how can they do that? I said, well, do you eat meat? Well, you sacrifice meat every day. But you, you eat. That's fine. So anyway, um, without going into the details, of course, within the kosher animals, it has to be done with a kosher animal, where the animal feels no pain at all, according to Jewish teaching. The arteries are connected. When they have the slaughtering process, the knife is without a nick in the blade. The animal feels no pain, specifically with a kosher animal. According to Jewish teaching, we know that that's the time where there's no pain. So within that framework, we had a prayer. What would we do? We'd sacrifice something. You hear the word sacrifice? What's to sacrifice? What does it mean to sacrifice? Where was the original prayer? Sacrificing. Do you know who it was with? Cain and Abel. They would take the best of what they had and they'd say, I want to give it to you, God. I'm so thankful for everything I'm giving you. What's prayer? You know what prayer is? It's taking time of your day to say thank you. Sacrificing your time for the sake of gratitude. Sacrificing your ego for the sake of gratitude. So when I say that the world stands on Avodah, it literally means also the concept of being able to sacrifice. And this is so important when it comes to relationships. Just one second. In in relationships, in everything. You do not get love until you sacrifice something for each other. Mikhtav Meliyahu, Rabbi Eliyahu Dasta says that the outcome of giving is love. Through giving, you get love. Well, how do you get giving? How do you, get, how do you become a giver? Sacrificing something. Not just uh, something that you're anyway doing for yourself. I'm anyway cooking a... Why did you make me a burger? Because I made one for myself. So you sacrificed some time to make another burger? That's love. Anything you do that... It, causes you to sacrifice for the other will achieve that moment of love. Yes, you wanted to ask something? Yeah, isn't avodah work? Avodah is, normally it means work, but in this context, all the commentaries say avodah means the service, the, the spiritual service of God, and they prove it. For instance, what's the holiest place in the world? Right? Jerusalem. What's the holiest country in the world? Israel. Like Jerusalem. Where's the holiest place in Israel? Temple Mount. And where's the holiest place in Temple Mount? Kodesh HaKadoshim, the Holy of Holies. If that's the, the ultimate place that we look up to, then that's where the pillar of the world is. Right? That's the holiest place in Judaism. That's, okay, so what, what's there? And in that moment, that place is where we would sacrifice. By the way, avodat work is an important aspect of life. But is it, would I say that work is the pillar of life? Is that the pillar? It allows me to survive. Why do you work? Because that's my goal. Why is it your goal? So that I can work. And why are you working? 
to work. And what's that for? So that I can work. It's not the goal. You, you, most people will tell me I'm working for something. I'm working to have a family so that I can eventually build this and I can afford to have, right? You never say that that's the goal. It's like saying, why do you make money? To uh, have money. And, and where are you going to put it? On my, on my wall. Hang it on my wall. Lots of dollar coins here. Here's a person with as a million dollars hanging on his walls. Right? That doesn't make sense. You, you, it's a means to something. Work in itself is a means to something else. Anyway, so those are the three things that are the pillar of the world. And I think they are extremely important. And oh, I was saying that when you're dating or looking for someone, you don't just want to see if they are compatible in terms of do we do similar things? Do we both run the marathon? Here is something to look for. Are they insightful? Do they have some Torah Chaim? Wisdom of life? Are they willing to sacrifice for the other? Right? Sacrifice their time. Are they grateful? Because that's what tefillah is. Prayer is. is about taking what's important to you and saying thank you. And are they kind to others? Right? Are they good to themselves? Good to uh, God and good to the people around them. By the way, these three things are also the three forefathers of the Jewish people. Abram, Isaac and Jacob. Who was Abraham? A man of kindness. Who was Isaac? A man of rigor, of prayer. He was willing to be sacrificed for God. Right? And who was Jacob? He was the man of Torah. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So why did it bring Torah first? Why not kindness first? It says first Torah, then prayer, prayer and then kindness. Why not kindness first? Huh? First you have to work on yourself before you get to the other. Exactly. Right? Didn't we say originally that the way that a person grows is first you internalize growth, then you get connected to... Right, your source, and then you can be able to help others. But you can't, you can't give to others if your cup's not filled. That's how we say it. Your, your cup's got to be overflowing in order to give to others. So the place that you start with first is yourself. That's why it says, You should know there's many humble, very humble rabbis that I grew up knowing. They were, they were always embarrassed to speak. They'd say, come on, tell us something. Say something. No, no, no. They're so embarrassed to speak. They didn't feel that they were holy enough to tell others about being a better person. See, so, you know, it tells me a lot about myself, how, you know, I feel, I feel about myself something so I can tell. But really, real humility would be that you, you, I need to work on myself. I'm going to teach to others. And um, that's, those are the three things that everyone should be looking for. And I wish you Hatzlacha, uh, success in finding the right person and finding the right one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah.